Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. With me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. We're going to kick off the show with a discussion on vegan sausage rolls. They're everywhere at the moment. Now, vegan sausage rolls have been around for ages. I'm a vegetarian and I've been eating sausage rolls, vegan or vegetarian, for years and years. So why all the fuss now about vegan sausage rolls? And I believe it is basically the PR campaign of the company that sells these new vegan sausage rolls. We may well mention this company a few times. However, I should point out that lots and lots of other companies do make and sell vegan sausage rolls. However, the company that the PR industry is in awe of at the moment is Greg's. And I've, I've read a number of different articles by PR experts who describe what they've just done in the last week or so as a masterclass in public relations. And not only that, their share price today is at a 52-week high. It may well be an all-time high. I didn't check um, beyond the 12 weeks. But on the 31st of December, their share price was 1,266 pence. And as of this morning, it was 1,488 pence. So a PR masterclass, a share price increasing masterclass. Heather, what do you think? Do you like vegan sausage rolls? Are, are you bothered about vegan sausage rolls? Well, I... I'm not vegetarian, nor am I vegan, but over the Christmas period, I did cook a vegan meal and it did cause me... And I me... didn't come to your house. No, no, it was... Yeah, have you got other Other people, friends, yeah. No, vegan, vegan, t- vegan, one with a nut allergy and one with gluten intolerance. <laughs> so it really made me study yeah. what you could eat and what you couldn't eat. Um, but I think... you. Know, Veganuary, or whatever you want to call it, you know, there's this whole um, emerging vegan way of living. Well, which January for vegans has been around for for a few mm. years now, but it, it's it's grown. Got hasn't momentum, it? The momentum, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. And I think the thing about the Greg's vegan sausage roll is that, um, as you rightly say, other uh, stores sell vegan sausage rolls, uh, but. What is also quite interesting is that the sausage roll is not the only vegan thing that Greg sells. <laughs> so, so it's just the f- I don't know it's I think well I think mis- the campaign so what I understand from reading about it is it started off with a leaked and then I would do inverted commas in the air but you won't see yeah. that on the radio yeah. the leaked email about the launch and then apparently they sent out sausage rolls in boxes that look like iPhone boxes to journalists they right. look classy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not so sure that I'd, you know, particularly want a, a, a sausage roll in an iPhone box, but they, it looked good and there were lots of pictures posted on social media. And then it's exactly that. It's the social media campaign, the sort of coverage that you can't pay for. Yeah. It has to be organic. It has to grow. And the quality of the people that were managing that social media was spectacular. I think I saw McDonald's jumped on the bandwagon. They've got their vegetarian Happy Meal coming out. But it just didn't have the same feel. It didn't have the same um, public support, Well, I think once you're jumping on a bandwagon... It's it's not the same anyway. You know they they decided to to do this. They um, they had a smart marketing video, uh, which has received five million views already. Uh, so you know they knew exactly what they were doing, and of course. Um, 
Mr. Um, Mr. Morgan. Mr. Morgan uh, played right into their hands um, <laughs> by commenting in the way that he did now, on Twitter. Now, if you haven't heard, um, seen this on Twitter or heard reference to it, we, I, I can't believe, where have you been? Have you been out of the country? <laughs> Essentially, um, Piers Morgan had a bit of a rant on Twitter, and as he does occasionally, because he just likes to be in the spotlight, I believe, uh, about the sausage rolls. And Almost straight away, the, the person who was managing the Greg social media went, ah, oh, Piers, we've been expecting you. Yeah. It trended through Twitter. Yeah. Greg's vegan sausage roll was a, a trending hashtag on Twitter. And it, it just went out of control. It, it was absolutely spot on. In and terms if of he hadn't media. have done that, yeah. I don't think I don't know if it would have had as much traction as it has had, because I think that, you know, love him or hate him people respond and, and um, react either side with or side against Piers Morgan. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they were going to use it weren't yeah, they, yeah. for whatever agenda yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, everybody had. Yeah. But I, I just thought it was, you know, it was classy. It was one, one of those mic drop moments. Like, uh, and, and there was a bit of speculation about, oh, well, they've got the same PR company and, and, and discussions about it being a setup. But I think that's been disproven from what I've read. But anyway, do you know what? <laughs> if it was, it was classily handled, I think. But it wasn't just Piers Morgan that they responded to. Anybody who made a comment, they were on it. And and not with a rude reply, not, not with a, an aggressive reply, with a humorous and savvy response to whoever had left a comment on their um, video. Mm. So I, I, th- I thought it was really well done. I mean, there is all sorts of bump out there. So PR experts, PR experts are talking about this. It, you know, it, it's going to go down in the in the history books of PR management. But one PR expert I read about said it was the democratization of vegan food. I thought, oh, well, okay. that's a little bit extreme. But I sort of got where they were coming from. They were saying that um, vegan food has, has come across as being out of the reach of Joe Public, which I think is a, a touch patronising. However, <laughs> I yeah. think it's... Well, having cooked... You're Joe Public, aren't you? Yeah, I'm Joe Public, and it was surprisingly easy, actually. But But the PR expert basically said that what Greg's had done um, was tackling the three major challenges for for veganism, which which was um, accessibility, price, and convenience. So, again, I think that's a bit patronising, but I I sort of get Get it. it, Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting topic. The trend for vegan food has been around for a few years, and Greg's would be silly not to have recognised that anyway. I don't think they've revolutionised the pasty market particularly, but they've really cornered the market in in good PR. I mean, we were talking about this only last year, weren't we, about um, something that just gets um, public attention and goes viral on social media, like with the the Iceland campaign. You know, that sort of stuff is, if you can get it, 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 it's amazing. You couldn't pay for it. But how you plan to do that, that, that's special, isn't it? Did they know it would go viral? Did they hope it went viral? Yeah, I don't know that they did. I don't know that they did. But I think that they probably put as much in place as they possibly could to make it happen. Um, One thing that has has also caught my eye, which is is on a similar theme, is that I live in Shropshire and um, there's been a big furore uh, by um, the... Deputy Leader of Shropshire Council. Um, he actually appeared in the Guardian, I think it was, on, on last weekend. Um, he was up in arms because there were buses driving around Shropshire, which is a, a well-known 
beef producing county and milk producing county and um there are adverts for vegan veganuary veganuary on the buses uh, reva buses and he was up in arms and said you know this is this is an insult you know this county is built on agriculture and this is sort of quashing that well i I think that there's a place for everybody and a place for everything and i don't think that you know meat eaters and you know dairy eaters have a stronger say than people you know there's a mcdonald's advert on the back of and it was all an sorts advert, of things wasn't it? and it it's wasn't, an advert yes it wasn't like a blockade no no totally people have got choice still <laughs> but it's a really emotive subject isn't it and i don't know why and when i was doing research for this um i came across an article i didn't read it but the heading was why do we hate vegans <laughs> and it's kind of like i didn't know we Do-do. did <laughs> You know, it's it's strange. It's strange. There's something strange going on, isn't there? And um, I, I must admit, being vegetarian, um, I've, I've sort of occasionally go more vegan, which is what I am at the moment. So I've cut down on the cheese and eggs that I'm eating. But my, my 10-year-old son is, like, very quick to put me in the vegan box. He's like, well, you can't have cheese. You're vegan. Oh, no, occasionally I come out of that vegan box. <laughs> yes, and, yeah. and I think there's so many different definitions, you know, how vegan are you? Do you wear vegan shoes? Yeah. But I noticed that most of the criticism is aimed at vegans. How can you be vegan? You you eat this, that's yes. got honey in, that's yeah. got this yeah. and that's got that. It's like, oh, you're, you're wearing something that's done this. Oh, hang on. All I wanted to do was change my eating habits a little bit. There's been a lot of discussion in our house about it over Christmas. And we, and we, in fact, with um, my nieces and nephews, we were having a conversation about honey. Um, can you eat honey if you eat vegan? Uh, and then we went on to yeast. Can you eat yeast? Yeah, and, and we were having a, a light-hearted discussion, but what we were actually trying to tap into is, you know, where are where are the boundaries? Because we don't understand them. Therefore, when I was cooking this vegan meal, it was really interesting because I could educate myself on what you can and what you can't eat and what constitutes vegan and what doesn't. And that yeah. it, it, knowledge is the thing. When people don't know about something, that's the point at which they say, oh, this is ridiculous. So that's why Greg's got have been slagged off by a lot of people because people think they're not only selling vegan <laughs> they haven't got rid of the porky sausage yeah. rolls you can have a beefy bake you know as much as you like um it's ignorance i think that makes us hate vegans or <laughs> please say you don't hate I, vegans, I, I, I certainly don't i didn't even know that we did it was just a okay somebody's written about that well all i can say is well done to to greg's to, to get so many people talking about your sausage rolls as we say other manufacturers and retailers do sell vegan sausage rolls. The self-assessment tax return submission deadline is the 31st of January, if you didn't already know. Um, and more than 11.5 million tax returns are due for the 2017-18 tax year by the end of the month. And approximately 52% of taxpayers had already filed their returns as of the 31st of December and more than 5 million people have completed their returns online. So you need to complete a tax return if you earned more than £2,500 from renting out a property, if you or your partner received child benefit and either of you had an income of more than £50,000, if you received more than £2,500 in other untaxed income, for example, from tips or commissions, if you are a self-employed sole trader 
or you're an employee claiming expenses in excess of £2,500, if you have an annual income of over £100,000 and if you earned income from abroad that you need to pay tax on. And if you completed the self-assessment tax return last year but didn't have to pay any tax on it, you still need to complete a 2017-18 tax return unless HM Revenue and Customs have written to you specifically to say that you don't need to fill in a form. So unless you've been told otherwise, do fill in your self-assessment. The penalties for late tax returns are a bit hefty. An initial £100 fixed penalty applies even if you've got no tax to pay. Yeah, they changed that a few years ago. They did, yeah. Yeah. So even if you've got nothing to pay, they want the return in on time. After three um, months, additional daily penalties of £10 per day up to a maximum of £900. After six months, a further penalty of 5% of the tax due or £300, whichever is greater. And if you've left it a whole 12 months, another 5% or £300 charge, whichever is the greater. So if I'm talking to you now and you haven't got your tax return completed yet for the 2017-2018 tax year end, please do get it done by the 31st of January. And one more thing I read on the HM Revenue and Customs press release pages was that more than 200,000 new businesses have used a new one-stop shop cross-government service which allows new businesses to register their company and register for tax at the same time. And in the past, you registered with Companies House and then you went and registered with HM Revenue and Customs. And the new streamlined company registration service was set up last year in a collaboration between HMRC and Companies House to reduce the burden on new businesses. And so when registering with Companies House, you can also register for tax with HMRC and for their digital tax services. And I put a call out on social media yesterday, just wondering if any of my contacts or any of the listeners had actually used this new service. And lo and behold, I speak to Heather today and she's just used the service. How did you find it, Heather? It was really easy, really straightforward. Um, You do what you need to do. And then you I think you had to tick a box to say that you wanted um, HMRC to be notified And then, lo and behold, within 24 hours, I'd got an email back from HMRC saying that they that they'd been informed and that it was it was all joined together. So it couldn't have been. I think it's slightly more onerous if you have um, a lot of directors. I think I'm not sure how how straightforward it is. I think that maybe that I was able to go down a route because I was registering a small company. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it it seems to have worked. Now in practice, when it actually comes to you know submitting information and them joining it all together, who knows? Well, that's another step. Perhaps. That's another step. But in terms of the um, setting up and the um, the sharing of information, then it, yeah, it it was really straightforward and simple. And I think if you've never set up a company before, and this is going to be the first time that you set up a limited company you won't know any different, so it would be fairly straightforward. And I think this one particularly applies to people who've uh, set up a limited company in the past and are coming to do it again. Mm. It's just being aware that it's a bit different and it is a bit more streamlined than it was before. But there were there were lots of um, explain, you know. So if 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 it's saying, do you want to do you want to select this or do you want to select that, and you think, crikey, I don't know. Then the notes, um, the hints, and and the support was 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 spot on. That's good to know. Thank Mm. you. 
You're listening to episode 50 of the business community on Calon FM. And it may well be that you're using an app to listen to this show, whether it's in the radio format or in the edited podcast format. I don't know. There are so, so many apps out there. And Heather pointed me towards a really useful article, which was on the Apple website. Actually, it's not on the website. You can only access this article through through the App Store. Store. (laughs) So I went to the website to look for it. And then it said, you can only read this on your through your App Store. Okay, it was the top apps of 2018. I know we're in 2019 now, but this is the full review of the year from Apple, which is one of the biggest providers of apps. Other companies do provide apps and the Google Play Store and probably there's more as well. But as both me and Heather have got iPhones um, and this was the article that we read, that's the one we're sticking with. I'm fairly certain that if the trends are there for Apple, they're probably going to be fairly similar for the other app providers. So it started off with um, a list of the top apps that were free and the top apps that were paid in 2018. Some of them seemed really familiar and some of them I had to go and uh, click on the link and go and find out a little bit more about them. And so I suppose I'll start with the free apps. Shall I whisk down the list, Heather? Yes, please do. Okay, so top of the list was WhatsApp, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, Messenger, Facebook, Spotify Spotify Music, Bitmoji, Google Maps, Netflix, Wish, Gmail, Amazon, TikTok, eBay, ITV Hub, Twitter, Uber, Microsoft Outlook and BBC iPlayer. Now, I have to admit to having to go and search and find out what Bitmoji was. Yes, I don't know. That is how you can make your own personal emoji. Really? Yes, I've downloaded the app. I'm going to make my own emoji. So I quite like that one. It's free. (laughs) Wish. I never heard of this. This is the largest mobile shopping app in the world. And it's... um, Apparently, you can get discounts and there's easy refunds and you can choose your delivery methods. Don't know how it works. I haven't downloaded it, but I think it's something that maybe I need to go and have a look at. TikTok. TikTok, not heard about this, but this is is something that maybe we're going to become more aware of this year. It's an app for short form mobile video. And everything else I'd pretty much heard of before. Used most of them as well. But these classic social media apps were right there at the top. Slightly different when you go into the paid list. So at the top of the paid list were the the driving test apps, driving theory, and something called Kira Kira Plus, which apparently adds effects to your camera lens, such as a cross filter, and it can put like little sparkly bits and shine on on your camera when you're taking photos. The Wonder Weeks, which is about having a baby. Facetune is a selfie editor. Plant Snap, I like this one, a plant identification app cracking forest so th- this is a really interesting one this is gamifying time away from your phone so if you want to temporarily put your phone down and focus on real life then what you do is you plant a seed in forest and as time goes by your seed gradually grows into a tree however if you can't resist the temptation to use your phone and leave the app your tree withers Oh, my goodness, it's, it's, like a, it's like a Tamagotchi. Yeah, it's harsh. <laughs> um, 
then there's this um, app that my son's got the um, the free version, My Talking Pet. You take a picture of your cat, you record your voice and you get its mouth to move, <laughs> speaking your voice. <laughs> I, I can feel myself wasting hours of my life this evening. The, here's an interesting one again with the, this rise of video and instant video is an app called One Second Every Day. And essentially the, the aim is that you you literally record one second of your life every day and eventually turn it into a movie where it puts all of those one seconds together. We have the seven minute workout challenge. Um, no, no prizes for guessing what that is. Dark sky weather. So that's for people who are presumably wanting to go and look at the stars. Ski tracks, which are presumably something to do with weather, to do with skiing as well. Afterlight 2, which is a photo editor. Cam to Plan Pro, which is floor plan and, and length app. Auto sleep tracker. Squeezy NHS pelvic floor app. Okay. <clears throat> photo scanner plus. Full fitness exercise workout and shape up with Gabby Allen. So that's the top paid apps, not not just for one particular period, for the um, like one month for the whole of 2018. What do you think, Heather? Have you got most of those apps? Have you got the pelvic floor squeezy squeezy? I, I haven't, but as I say, I will be reviewing the list that you've run through. Um, I decided to um, to look at the best business apps of 2018. Okay. <laughs> but later Just on, you'll you'll get caught up with the my to- pet talking. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. And, and of course, some of those apps translate and transfer into into business requirements anyway if you're making videos for your business or whatever um so the first one um bizarrely was mentioned to me oh, again over the christmas period we were with some friends and um ben uh hello ben if you're listening uh, ben mentioned something called slack which is a business communication and channel. collaboration tool exactly yes. um which a base which basically is a bit like whatsapp for business but it's a sort of file sharing hangout yeah. type thing and he was explaining it to me and and you know how good it was and I thought I've never heard of this I need to research it and then lo and behold it appears on this list I have registered for it and essentially you um you invite people and instead of people emailing and say it, it's all there in one central place it's like um yeah, it's 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 like a a shared directory, like a shared a conversation chat room with storage space. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So that looked really good. Then there was one called Timely, which uh, allows you to track and log billable hours. So if it's you, useful for freelancers, yeah, yeah. if you're a freelancer, um, OmniPlan, uh, visualize, simplify, and maintain your products, your projects at a glance. So again, if you've got people working on a particular project, you can um, you can uh, record it here and, and work on it and, and streamline it. Uh, invoice to go, which is something that I really do need to look at, where you can essentially, you know, if you go in to, to see a client and you come out, you can raise the invoice there and then in the car and it will go via email, uh, messenger, WhatsApp, um, whatever. And then finally, something called Wave, which is... Um, accounting software um, for people who are low on budget but want to manage their company accounts. Um, as long as you haven't got lots and lots of employees, uh, the software can look after your expenses, invoicing, um, receipts, uh, and you can even link it to your bank account and PayPal or whatever. So they all look like really good business apps um, that are worth 
uh, researching. I've downloaded each of those um, and we'll spend a little bit of time playing around with them. So if I come across something amazing, I'll rave about it um, in the weeks to come. So I also looked up um, what the app trend of the year was and apparently self-care. Okay. So there's um, if if you're in the business of either needing self-care, there's an app for you, or if you're in the business of providing self-care services, then being aware of what apps are out there is, is probably quite important to you. And the app of the year, as nominated by Apple in this list, was something called Procreate Pocket. And initially, I, I was intrigued. It's mm. like procreate, like have babies. Mm-hmm. But apparently, no, it's um, it's an app that allows artists of all levels to paint, draw and sketch using your iPhone and with features that previously were only available on iPad and Mac. So there's super high resolution do, uh, Zoom, not Doom. Doom. That's a different yeah, game a altogether. Thing, yeah. Yeah. And there's a 135 preset textured brushes in various painting styles. It sounds like a lot of bang for your buck. It's an app for four ninety nine, and essentially you can do a lot of photo editing on your phone. Personally, it's way too small for me to yes. do photo editing. But if you're that way inclined, you've got a good eyesight and you're quite dexterous, then maybe have a look at Procreate Pocket. And one of the questions it raised for me is, like, yeah, it's OK saying that we've got the business apps and you've got the not businessy apps. Actually, I think all businesses should be aware of the app trends. And I'm not saying you should get yourself an app, but maybe you should be aware of what's going on because there's that sense of adapt or die. Mm -hmm. You know, it might not be that you want to use apps to market at the moment, but being aware that a lot of companies are using even WhatsApp for, for customer service channels and things like that. You know, if you're in business, just knowing what what's popular and what's going on in the world, it's just as important in this virtual world of apps as it is, you know, outside in the real world. So just keep in, not necessarily having to use them. You don't have to waste all your time doing my talking pet, that, unless you want to, of course, obviously. But, you know, keep keep an eye on what's going on because there's some big change is going to happen. And we'll, we'll perhaps discuss these in, in the coming weeks. This is the part of the show where we talk about a business guru or a business leader. And I don't know if it was uh, all the preparations for Christmas or or what it was, but uh, Tracy suggested that we might like to focus on one of the largest supermarket chains in the UK. I might have gone there quite a bit. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of us spend an awful lot of time in the orange supermarket, um, which has was established a long time ago in 1869 and now has uh, almost 20% of the supermarket sector share in the UK. Uh, it, it vies for position between Tesco and Asda. Uh, of course, we're talking about Sainsbury's. And that w- it was founded in 1869 by John James Sainsbury. Uh, started in Drury Lane in London uh, and... Uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Now, we thought that we'd spend some time looking at how Mr. Sainsbury achieved what he achieved and what his management style might have been, etc. Uh, but I think it suffice to say that his management style wasn't really what um, enabled him to succeed. It was his ability to spot an opportunity and run with it. And I think that often took confidence it also um, 
then fed into his sons who all worked within the business and the Sainsbury family remained involved with the business until I think it was about the 80s. I'm 1998. There we go, 1998. So um, the Sainsbury input has been uh, significant but one of the things that before I um, pass over to Tracy one of the things that I found really interesting is that Sainsbury's um, have been involved with um, Argos, Habitat, uh, Walmart so you, you think of Sainsbury as a standalone you know and, and ne'er it shouldn't mix with any of the others but they acquired uh, Argos they acquired Habitat um, and they are partnered with uh, Walmart they they were one of the first stores to um, to move away from counter service and into self-service which as we now know, is trawling around with your trolley, picking up the stuff that you want rather than somebody handing it to you over the counter. And that was revolutionary at, at the time. Uh, and of course, you know, they have stores everywhere. Uh, and they have non-food. That You know, they sell, they sell everything, not in the way that Amazon sells everything, but they sell pretty much everything. Um, but Mr. Sainsbury himself is a bit of an enigma, but he's left this massive legacy. Yeah, so I was intrigued by the the time that he was alive. Uh, so I've been doing a bit of family history research myself, and more than just names and and dates and places, I've I've been really interested to know the social conditions at the times that that my ancestors were alive. And so I went down the same sort of route with John J. Sainsbury. Now he was born in eighteen forty four in Lambeth. And so I thought, well, OK, what was going on in 1844? My history, it's not sort of immediately uh, accessible, so I did have to do a little bit of research. But I found out that um, in 1844, the year of John J. Sainsbury's birth, uh, the Queen was Victoria. And there was a book, uh, quite a, a famous book, which um, I had heard of, but it, you know, I hadn't sort of placed it in, in in sort of time or place um the condition of the working of working class in england in 1844 that's the title of the book the condition of the working class in england in 1844 by frederick engels it was german writer and political theorist who's best remembered probably as the co-author of the communist manifesto in 1848 oh. but the research he did for this book presumably fed into that. Um, Engels was horrified by child labour, environmental damage, low wages, bad conditions, poor health and death rates. And and essentially that was what John J. Sainsbury was born into. Um, according to the research I've, I've done, um, he was born to his father, also John Sainsbury, who was an ornament and picture frame maker and... Um, during his childhood, he moved house several times, living in rented rooms. So they weren't a well-off family. And bearing in mind, put this in the context of what Frederick Engels talks about, there was a lot of poverty, low wages and poor conditions. His father died when he was 19. Uh, so that was 1863. And in that same year, London Underground opened. Oh, gosh. Yeah. OK. Putting all of these things into play, 10th of January. 1863, oh. London Underground opened. And he opened his first shop, which you said, um, quite rightly, in Drury Lane in Holborn with his wife when he was 24. So that was 1869. 
the same year that Cutty Sark was launched, War and Peace by Tolstoy was published and the Suez Canal opened. Okay. And we talked earlier in the show about incorporation of companies. So Sainsbury's as a company was incorporated in 1922. King George V was was on the throne at the time. And it's the same year that the BBC was formed and began broadcasting. And then John J. Sainsbury died in 1928, the same year that Harry Ramsden opened his first fish and chip shop and penicillin was discovered. I absolutely love that little ramble through history. Well, and I, I haven't focused so much on John Sainsbury, the man, more, you know, the, sort of the world that he lived in. And, and of course, you, know, uh, you think about the London Underground, the BBC, the Suez Canal, all of these different things... They've been there forever, seemingly, you know, yes. seemingly, and so, so has Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's. Uh, I found some information that um, I think. I think really it was it was as I already said it was his um, desire. He wanted to keep quality high and prices low. That was his thing, uh, so that um, shopping would be accessible to everybody. Um, and such was his commitment to make sure that prices were kept low that um, they were often threatened by the Board of Trade for refusing to comply with price rises. And in 1918, um, there was an article in the Times that says Sainsbury's threatened with prosecution for selling too cheaply. (laughs) Whereas now, Sainsbury's, for a lot of people, is considered to be expensive compared to other leading supermarkets. So... um, it, you know, Mr. Sainsbury was was up in arms because basically he was saying that we're being forced to raise our prices because otherwise we're going to be charged and penalised and, and prosecuted. And that came from a really interesting document that I found called From Corner Store to Superstore. It's a body of research. It's a body of work. Uh, but it's really, really interesting about the different elements of the business um, through through the wars and, 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 and through history. Um, through rationing, uh, you know, bringing, bringing um, uh, you know, like saving stamps, loyalty cards, <laughs> all, all of the things that we now take for granted in our, in our shopping experience, they were leading the way um, or resisting. You yeah. know, they didn't want loyalty cards. And now the Nectar card is, you know, became one of the big loyalty cards. So, um, yeah, a, a really interesting uh Biography, I think. Um, so I don't think we'll find a lot in terms of quotations. I don't know if you, you came up with any. I have no. one which were apparently his last words before That's he died. the only one that I could find, yes. Um, it may seem a little glum, but I, I like it as a quotation. He just said, keep the shops well lit. And we had a little discussion off air, didn't we? We didn't know whether that actually meant keep them open or actually whether he meant... Put good lights in them, yes, so that people can see what they're buying and makes the the, the stuff that they're buying look more attractive. I don't know. It is quite bright in Sainsbury's. (laughs) (laughs) I can think of all all other things you might have said, like um, make sure you pump the bread smell out by the front door. (laughs) Yes, yeah, 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 lots of little trolleys. (laughs) <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> on that note, indeed. So that was John James Sainsbury, our business leader for episode 50 of the business community. That's pretty much all we've got time for this week. But we will be back again next week with more news, views and reviews from the world of business. 
You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.